one place that I hope CCF can always be a great help to the church is by thinking about the hot-button words that are out there. And they change every few years. But one of the hottest words these days, and has been for a while, is the word attachment. Thankfully, CCF has an expert in counseling children, which is where the vast majority of the action on attachment is. So if you've heard the word attachment but never been quite sure what it means or how to think about it, I hope you'll be excited to hear what we've got to say today. You're listening to CCEF On The Go, a podcast of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. Here at CCEF, we are committed to restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. You can find our podcasts, books, articles, videos, and more resources for Christ-centered pastoral care at our website, ccef.org. Hi, welcome back to CCEF On The Go. I'm your host, Alastair Groves, a faculty member at CCEF, and I work out of our New England office. Today my guest is Julie Lowe, also a faculty member here at CCEF, and she is our resident child whisperer. Uh, Julie, before we get started, I know you're working on a book about stuff with counseling children. Would you say just a couple words about uh, what you're trying to do in that book? Sure. Um, I guess one of the things I really would love to see happen is for parents to feel more equipped to just really be an expert at knowing their own children. Um, I think we, we get overwhelmed with the busyness of life and um, schedules and routines and we, um, we struggle to really slow life down to just disciple our kids and know them well. <laughs> and uh, what I see in counseling a lot is that um, parents are struggling to understand what's going on in their child's life or their behavior. Um, and probably one of the most satisfying things to be able to do is when I help equip parents to know their children better. And um, most of the time they do know their kids really well. Um, but I think because of the lifestyle we live, we're, we're just less available to disciple, to foster conversation, to engage in relationship. Um, so I would hope that one of the goals is just to really encourage families to be an expert at knowing the needs of their families and, and to live life um, in a godly, biblical way, but with a lot of liberty to do what's best for, um, for their individual family. Hmm. Well, I will read it. I'll pre-order it. Let me know. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you have a sense of when it's coming out? Well, that is actually a good question. I, I hope to have uh, the initial work done by the fall, and then I'm, I'm not sure how that works with editing and... Um, sure, how long it and, takes to yeah. hit the shelves. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Great. Well, that's exciting, Julie. I can't wait to, to see that come to fruition. Um, me too. So today what I was hoping we could talk about a bit is the, I don't know if I should call it an idea or a theme or a concept or a term, but, but it's, it's attachment. Uh, I hear a lot about attachments and my own perspective, this is just purely anecdotal, is that uh, it's something I've heard more and more about. It seems to be something, uh, from what I can tell, sort of gaining traction over time rather than losing traction. Um, and my sense is that you probably know a lot more about that than most of us. So I want to just get your, your take on how do you think about attachment. And so maybe you could even start us with, you know, your sort of functional definition 
when someone is talking about attachment or when someone's doing a seminar or a training and it's on attachment issues, um, what does that mean? What, what is attachment as it's used in the sort of general uh, psychological realm? Uh, let's start there. Yeah, that's, that's actually a great question. I don't know if I've ever attempted to define it on my own, so um, forgive me in my, my blundering definition, but the way I think of it, um, especially as I try to think of it biblically, is um, the, the struggle to uh, engage in relationships and to bond with others in meaningful ways. Um, so a, a child who overly bonds and is indiscriminate in their affection and bonding is considered to have attachment issues, and a child that is detached and does not seem to connect uh, with others struggles with attachment issues. So the way I think about that is, um, what does it look like to engage in, in healthy, meaningful bonding with, with one another? Um, hmm. Yeah. Okay. I want to circle back uh, in a couple of minutes to this. Okay, how does how does Scripture see this? But but before we get to sort of a, a, a scriptural biblical lens through which to see this, will you just give me a sense of? I mean, how did this how did this term gain such traction, such popularity? There's there's lots of different theories out there. Why why has attachment gotten so much airtime? Hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, Specifically, it started probably with the issues of foster care and adoption, where you saw, especially in kids who um, were in institutionalized environments, how the lack of comfort and human touch and interaction early on in life really seemed to shape them, and people argue even shaping the, how the brain functions, um, lack of stimulation, children who would lay in cribs all day long and would, um, yeah, would have little human interaction, and people acknowledging how much that greatly impacted their development, their emotional engagement or disengagement. Um, and uh, their ability to function in, in relationships once they were adopted. So I, I would guess a majority of this stemmed from seeing the struggle of children who were abused, mistreated in, in orphanages, um, in some of the worst orphanages, and see that there, there is some kind of effect on their ability to attach in relationships. Why hmm. is it growing now? Um, I don't know. I could I could go off pondering on this, but I think um, we're more aware of the need to be nurturing. Um, we're more aware, um, in the most positive ways, of how important bonding um, is in, in human development and relationships. So I would think in the secular field, there's just an awareness that, um, particularly kids who are struggling, they they need to see nurturing environments and relationships as key. Hmm. And Julie, is it your perspective that it's sort of, it's it's an idea or a perspective that's on the rise? Or is that just me off in the woods in New Hampshire? You know what, actually you're probably right. I guess because I work with children and families so much, it's on my radar a lot. And I, you know, you probably actually gauge that better because I'm in, I'm in those worlds and that realm a lot more. So hearing it a lot doesn't surprise me because I'm dealing with, with children and some of these issues. Um, but I think you're right. I think it probably is growing. 
Um, and what's really interesting to me is you hear a lot less about reactive attachment disorder, um, hmm. as it's known. And most of the attachment experts just talk in terms of attachment and the need for attachment. Um, so in some ways, I think, I wonder at least, if that's just going broader. Um, we talk huh. about attachment more broadly because talking about reactive attachment seems to be very narrow, um, a narrow box to put people in. Huh. And well, since you've raised the term, let's let's do one more, one last definition here. Reactive attachment disorder. You want to put a quick, uh, sort of quick face on that? Yeah, I would say that's probably the most serious. Where um, that's probably what a lot of families fear for their children when they're diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder. Um, kind of putting a clinical diagnosis on it. It's a, a full-blown disorder of a of a individual, usually child's inability to attach with others. Um, so you tend to see more extreme behaviors with that as well. Um, so you, you do hear a lot less of that and a lot more, which again, if I'm putting a positive understanding on it, is I like to think in terms of spectrums, um, mm -hmm. where we, we all have, we all live somewhere on the spectrum of our ability to have empathy. Um, we all live on a spectrum of our ability to have sympathy for others. Um, you know, attachment, to me, falls in a spectrum of um, healthy attachment, then dysfunctional attachment, then um, yeah, somewhere in the middle. So one of my questions when I look at kids who um, have been labeled with attachment issues, you look at well, where would they fall on the spectrum rather than kind of just sticking them in the box or out of the box. Huh. Where is their struggle? How do you look at, we're all at different places. Where do they fall? Um, and what are some of the, the struggles they have in that? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's um, let's let's pan out here. Biblically speaking, how do we how do we think about this? How do you think about this? And and maybe I'll even preface that with just a, a thought or two of my own. Um, sure. I, I guess you, you you know you mentioned the idea of kids laying in cribs all day, you know, and not just eighteen month olds, but even kids far too old to be in cribs. You know, if, if yeah. you hear if the reports I've heard uh, are accurate about certain orphanages yeah. and so on and so forth. And for, I don't know that I've ever sort of analyzed my own reaction, but but that image uh, has just always been extremely distressing to me. I just, that, I just, I can't even really think about it for more than a second or two without just getting shaken emotionally at the thought of children, actual living breathing, thinking, feeling human beings who are just uh, penned, you know, kept kept in this little area. And I mean, I, I have a two and a half year old and he sleeps in a crib, so I'm not against cribs. But, but there's something about the idea of just sectioning off a human being and just sort of putting them in storage that yeah. it just, it's abhorrent to me at this deep level. And it is, it's, um, in some ways, for me, the the grief of it, the 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 stabbingness of it, is is hearing then the reports of children who just sort of they they detach, they mm -hmm. they don't know how to interact with people, they don't they don't seem to have uh, some of the basic ways of functioning together. So so when I think yeah. about that, it just it it, it bothers me, and it, for me, what it does, is it sort of underscores just how. Um, how core to our being 
as image bearers of God is the idea of fellowship, is the idea yeah. of community, of, of being together. We were not made for isolation. Uh, if right. the Trinity, rather than the monity, is at the core of all existence, it, it makes sense that as reflections of that, we would be made for fellowship. So I sort of start there with this like somewhat abstract sense of, okay, we're made to be together, and it's shocking to see some of the impacts of not being together for some of these these children who have been just so tragically harmed. Um, do you think about things that way? How else do you think about it? I mean, help me sort of flesh that out and take that further. Yeah, um, yeah, that's exactly how I think. And the, the language I tend to use is we're made to be relational. So why wouldn't hmm. attachment be meaningful? But I'd use the word relational. We were made, uh, as you said, as image bearers, which means we are made relational. So to not um, early on, to not have that nurturing relational aspect, I have no doubt it impacts development. I have no doubt it, it changes a person. Um, you know, research and a lot of the secular work talks about how much it informs or changes the development of the brain. I'm not an expert in that, but why would that surprise us on some level? Mm -hmm. The struggle is we need to start foundationally from that principle that we're made as image bearers and we're made to be relational. Um, and then what do you do with um, with the brokenness of, of that not happening and how do we make hmm. sense out of it and you know can that inform how we think about a child and how they develop or don't develop as a result of some of those things just like a child who struggles in development if they've been exposed to drugs or alcohol um, fetal alcohol syndrome those things that you understand to some degree had yeah, impacts development but we've got to start, you, you can't start with a godless mm. worldview on it, um, or there's a godless conclusion. But if I start with a very foundational view of man, that they're made to be relational, they're made to be image bearers, um, then I understand um, that much of what we do to nurture relationships is going to be instinctively biblical as well. Um, mm. Without mm. leaving out valuable methods or tools in the process. Mm. Julie, that's such a fascinating uh, comparison you're drawing to fetal alcohol syndrome. I instinctively, you know, it makes sense to me, of course, that, uh, you know, excessive alcohol consumption during pregnancy could have, uh, it makes sense to me intuitively that that could have impact on a, on a developing child. Um, it, it doesn't immediately, you know, I wouldn't have thought of the physical, physiological sort of impacts on a child of not having sufficient connection. Um, yeah. But of course, you know, all aspects of our environment impact us. We are body and right. soul knit together mysteriously, as you know, as we hear in Psalm 139 and, and all throughout Scripture. Um, will, will you, I'm, I'm intrigued by your word relational. I like it. I'm thinking just, okay, we're relational beings. That makes sense to me. How do you, as a biblical counselor, think about um I, I guess I'll say nurturing relationship. Okay, you're, you're working with a child who's got uh, attachment issues, whether it's reactive attachment disorder or what. But you're, you're seeing here's a child who, who isn't, a, isn't instinctively and intuitively doing this relational aspect of their being well. I, um, I would assume from a secular perspective, th there would be some sense of, well, there just needs to be more connection with other people. I assume as biblical counselors, we would need to say something else as well. Uh, help, me, help me understand, how are we as biblical counselors speaking to that issue 
in a way that might be different from what a secular perspective would offer. Right. Well, I guess my concern is we when when you're not biblical in your foundation of it, then you resort to a medical model. You resort to everything is about rewiring the brain, um, and it misses huh. the heart and soul of an individual. Um, so there's really good methodologies out there. There's really good ways of nurturing attachment that um, both secular and Christian therapists are talking about. Um, but our reasons for doing it, our motivation would be corely out of being, um, it would be the core of being image bearers, being relational, saying, um, understanding the impact developmentally on a child. But the solution is, um, to engage in relationship, to nurture relationship, to engage in uh, deficits in empathy or sympathy or feeling bonded with others, and that that can take a long time to do that. Um, but I'm doing it because I want to model love and grace and nurturing relationships. I'm being Christ-like. I'm, um, I'm comforting with the comfort I've been given. Um, so I'm doing all those things fundamentally and foundationally out of an understanding of um, our call to, to love children, mm. to nurture them, to disciple them, to be godly in our parenting or in our relationship with them. Um, mm. It all flows out of that, that thought process. Hmm. Can you... Let me think out loud and tell me if I yeah. am in the ballpark <laughs> of what you're saying here. It sounds to me like, okay, if we look at the extreme scenario of a, of a child heavily neglected, it's like the absence of any relationship at all has this marring effect on on their ability to engage and to uh, live. And, and mm -hmm. when, when it gets extreme enough, it's like anything is better than that, uh, any right. level of relationship. But... I wonder if what you're saying is, okay, engaging relationally, that we're relational beings and we're meant to live that deeply. I wonder if what you're saying is a secular therapist, a biblical counselor, in one sense, are going to say the exact same thing, which is that what this child needs is relationship. Mm -hmm. However, what, it's, not, it's not that we're going to say a different thing about the need for relationship. It's that we're going to say a different thing about what good relationship looks like, mm -hmm. at which point a, a biblical counselor says there is just a host, a, a wealth of perspective and information and guidance in Scripture for what relationships are to look like. Those sure. relationships are to be based on how Christ has treated us. And so everything about all that the Bible has to say about how to do relationships is our guide for how we want to relate to a child with attachment disorders. So on one level, we're saying the we might be using the exact same word of relationship or relational or connection or attachment. On the other side, what we are filling that word with is this biblical perspective on what good relationships are. So, for example, um, uh, I don't I don't know enough about secular therapies to know what tools are out there that are good, bad, or ugly, or well received or poorly received. But I know often in our culture, broadly speaking. Um, acceptance at all costs is given a very high value. There's a premium on, you just have to accept people as they are. And biblically speaking, we, we are certainly able to accept people as they are in the sense that there's grace. And no matter what you've done, no matter where your reactive attachment disorder has led you to hurt other people, 
um, there is acceptance and hope and grace for you. Um, but it's not because you're okay as you are. It's because God can meet you anywhere, and we want to meet you there too, and we want to have grace. So right. grace versus sort of mere tolerance or I'm okay, you're okay, would be a massive divide, even though both would be forms of acceptance and relationship. Right. Am I in the ballpark so, of the kind of things you're thinking? I mean, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, example, um, long-suffering and perseverance and hmm. uh, love that's sacrificial. I mean, those are all very biblical um, callings that we're given in relationship, that we're given with children, um, our own children or others. Or, um, those are interesting principles that you also see in attachment, some of the best attachment literature hmm. out there that is acknowledging uh, the core key relationship huh. is going to be with parents or adoptive parents, and that often it is um, a long haul, and yeah. you have to have patience hmm. and perseverance and tolerance right. for bad behavior that is confusing, and you need to demonstrate gentleness and the way you respond and calmness and all the things I look at and I read and I go, oh yeah, amen to that. That's exactly what, what Scripture calls us to do as well. but. They're understanding the uniqueness of a struggle, um, and they're instinctively, in some ways, using language that we should be using and doing as believers. Um, hmm. So when you see a child with extreme behavior or lack of empathy or struggle attaching, what you realize is um, there's there's been something that's been broken, and they live in a broken, fallen world. We understand they are impacted by it, and so we're we're demonstrating um, a measure of grace and compassion and persevering, long-suffering uh, kindness to them as we understand the complexity of whether it was a traumatic event or lack of nurturing, whatever it is that, that led to them. We are, going back to what I've said earlier, we're being an expert at knowing the child in front of us. So mm. again, one of my concerns about attach, some of the attachment stuff is that it's a one lens that you see the child through. It's all through the lens of attachment instead of saying, but children are multifaceted um, and they have different pieces of the puzzle. They're, um, they're individuals. They have strengths and weaknesses and aptitudes, and they have their own temperaments, and then they have their own tendencies to struggle with sin or poor choices, and they're also sufferers. Um, and as we know at the core, they're image bearers. So it's, it's like a puzzle, and attachment or their struggle with attaching is only one piece of who they are. It's not the whole lens to see them through. Um, hmm. So I would say that's another core difference as well, that we understand it, we don't minimize the struggle, but we know it is not the whole of the individual. Hmm. Well, Julie, that seems like an excellent place to, uh, to wrap ourselves up. Is there anything else you want to add before we close? No, I mean, in 15 minutes, it's a, a complicated subject to start to delve into, <laughs> and there's certainly a lot more that can be said, um, but it's start, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in, and I look My forward to talking more another time. All right. Take care. If our conversation today on attachment has been helpful, and you're interested in thinking more about what attachment is and how you can think about it, you might be interested in Winston Smith's book review, which was published in the Journal of Biblical Counseling, of a book called Attachments 
Why You Love, Feel, and Act the Way You Do by Tim Clinton and Gary Sibsey. As a side note, I'm struck by that title. I haven't read the book, but that is a sweeping and interesting subject to investigate. Why you love, feel, and act the way you do. I find that I'm appreciating book reviews more and more because it is me simply learning to trust the people I trust and to benefit from the books that they are benefiting from. It's reading in community. So I hope you'll find this helpful. Go to ccef.org podcast and you'll find the resource there. Uh, you can get it for free for the week after the podcast goes up uh, using the coupon code podcast. Thanks for listening today. Till next time, blessings.